This week on Cross Up Podcast, MotoGP is heating up. We talk about some gear that'll keep your fingers warm. And you've heard of 650s, but 660s? This is Crossed Up Podcast. Welcome back to the Crossed Up Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm Derek. And let's jump into MotoGP. Yeah, so um, we had a really interesting uh, race today. It wasn't it wasn't the most entertaining race that we've yeah. had so far, but yeah. it was really interesting. Yeah, so it wasn't quite the same exciting, you know, it wasn't uh, the same amount of like, oh man, you know, there's so many passes just over and over again, and everyone is just passing each other constantly, and yeah. we still don't really know who's going to win. You know, every MotoGP race is still a little bit of, you know, who know, who knows who's going to win? Because it's MotoGP, anything could happen, right? So, while it wasn't quite the same amount of passing, it was still a lot of really entertaining stuff, just in yeah. terms of, you know, when when one person passes someone else, that can completely disrupt the final standings for for the actual championship just because the top five people were all so close to each other well, going into I this mean, race. They were close to each other points-wise going into the race. Yeah. But, I mean, in terms of, like, actual race position, yeah, they were all over the place except for Rins and, um... Rins and Mir. Yeah. Who placed one two um but yeah it was uh crazy it was it was again not as much passing and stuff like that but the consequences were were real yeah yeah so spoilers uh yeah as, as always as always so mir won the race which is our ninth different winner of the season yep. ninth <laughs> different first place finish yep. of the season and then followed by Rins and Paul Espargaro, yeah. which I did not see coming. I did not see Paul Espargaro being on pole on this race, and that was I, very... I mean, we called it early on, because he started with hard, hard tires. Front, hard, front, hard, uh, but, rear. Was he was he on hard, hard, or what is he... I yeah, he was... He was on, I thought that was only Morbidelli that ran the hard, hard. Oh, I might be messing up here. Okay. Yeah, I thought I, he ran hard. I, I think he I, ran I remember hard. looking at 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 him and saying, "That's a I, weird. That's a weird choice for first I think, place." I think but, he did a hard front and maybe yeah. a medium rear. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, but yeah. So I I guess it worked out for him. You know, he was yeah. he held held on, and I mean, we we did both say that you know, right when the race starts, he was probably going to get overtaken, and I mean, it, it, it did kind of happen. It was like almost immediate. Yeah, he got overtaken. Um, He did do all right for defending, like maybe about the first half of the race, but then Rins just passed him up on the inside, and then the next lap, Mir passed him up (laughs) on the exact same corner. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah, but then he held on to third. So he held on to third. I mean, everyone up there ran almost flawless races, with the exception of Rins. Uh, I mean, yeah. Rins messed up on yeah. one corner, and I think there's a good chance if he didn't mess up, he yeah. probably would have finished in first. No, yeah, they were he... setting almost identical lap times until the end yes. of the race. Yeah, if if yeah. At, so, at the end of the race, at his interview, he said, "Hey, you know, I what the reason why I didn't come in first is because you know I went a little bit too hard into this corner." It was a little bit too hot. I tried to downshift, and I think he said he missed. He went to the wrong gear or something like that. And oh, then really? Tried to uh, when he went to power out, then he just it wasn't quite there, and that is why. And then he said that you know after that, then Mir just ran a really perfect race. Oh, he he was lapping every lap within I think it was within half a second. Yeah, I don't think there were any laps. Yeah. I don't think there were any laps that were more than a quarter of a second different from the laps next to it. Yeah, and all of them were within half a second. Yeah, it was robotic. Yeah, how, most of them yeah. were within two tenths. Yeah, which was really yeah. really good. 
yeah, it was it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And no one came near Marquez, though. I mean, people came within a second of Marquez's fastest time. He obviously yeah. wasn't in this race, but last year he set a, a fastest lap. Yeah. Marquez, if he were here, I guarantee it, he'd be walking all over everybody. Yeah. But he's but not here this year. Good thing year. he didn't. Yeah. He has not <laughs> finished a single race this year, and it's been a really good... I'm going to... I mean, I know I said it like when we first started the podcast, but this season is so much better because Mark Marquez is not there. Yeah. Which I feel bad, but it's better. Well, it It is... It does make for way better racing. It's, so. Yeah, yeah, it does. But, yeah, so... The, the real reason, and we did kind of talk about this while we were watching, is that everyone else isn't Marquez. So, Mir was in front. And he was lapping very consistently, very quickly. He was bringing up that gap between him and Rins. But he wasn't doing it excessively. He didn't yeah. feel the need to try to make up half seconds every single lap. Which inevitably ends up with your tires being shot. And then you make one little mistake and boom, you're out. Yeah. Which Marquez is <laughs> a big fan of doing. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. well, I'm I'm just noticing something here. I'm 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 looking at the for the first time. I actually, have the information pulled up. I'm looking at the points, <clears throat> and um, when during during the race, um, when Joanne Mir passed Rins, Suzuki, what's I'm drawing a blank on that guy's name, the management, the the team manager, yeah, uh, was like. You could see him visibly upset that Joanne Mir had passed Renz because he wanted Renz to win. And we're like, oh, that's weird. Why? And I'm looking at the points, and it's because if Renz had won, it would have put Quadraro deep into third into third place in terms yeah. of points. But right now, they're, they're, they're tied. Yeah. Joanne Mir could, if he does really well next week at the exact same track, finish. It, the, the, the series could be over. At the next race. Yeah. Because um, if he because if he wins, then the points gap would just be too high for anyone else to be yeah. anywhere close to He could crash out of the next race and nobody would be able to beat him. Um yeah. it could be over uh at the next race. Yeah. If but if Renz had won, it wouldn't put Joanne Mir in that situation where he yeah. could win in the next race, but it would put Suzuki in a situation where they don't have to worry about Quateraro as much. Yeah. And also, uh, it, it would put them in a much better position to get a, like, 1-2 yeah. uh, finish for... It's my bedtime. <laughs> I'm just going to push through it. It would put them uh, in a much better position to get the 1-2 uh, Suzuki win for yeah. the championship, which would be amazing career making yeah but i mean that that is something that we had noticed was that they sent him that map go to mapping two yeah right when he was uh in second place right behind rins yeah so you know obviously no one knows besides the team what each mapping does so how do we know does mapping two mean that they want mir to kind of calm down a little bit and just like basically seed the race to Rins or you know where they're saying different things right because that's purely a uh, a team thing so if they if they decide hey we don't want Mir to win the race even though he wants to win the race then that could have impacts on the championship as a whole yeah it it reminds me of a little bit of Ducati's mapping eight fiasco where um they wanted <clears throat> they wanted lorenzo to let davi through and they kept sending matt like because <laughs> he he it would have put him in great points position and lorenzo was just ignoring it they would send mapping eight and then he'd do another lap without letting davi through and they'd send it again i think they sent it like three or four times they didn't do that to 
yeah. beer. Uh, Probably because it's he may his have, race to run. It is his race to run. Um, and then also, we don't know what Mapping 2 is. Yeah. Uh, but, and then lastly, uh, it, it could have, it, you know, who, who knows what it is. I think it was a team signal. Maybe he did the pass before they could do it again to him, and they were just like, "Yeah, we now if we send it to him, and he lets, you know, uh, Rins pass, or Mir. I'm, oh my, I'm if, if so Mir confused. lets Rins yeah. pass, yeah. If yeah. Mir lets Rins pass, now, now that looks pretty suspicious. Yeah, um, and it looks weird on him to just give a spot yeah. to Rins. Yeah, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, it is the rider's race to run. They ultimately, the rider pretty much always has the the biggest say because you know, you can you can tell someone not to shit on your carpet and then, but you can make them not shit on your carpet, right? So um, <laughs> tell that to Lorenzo. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. they can't make him go to mapping eight. They can't. They can't rem- yeah, yeah. They, they can't, can't forcibly remotely... make him go to mapping eight, but they could make room on their team for another yes. rider. Yes. Uh, so, well, see, still the the analogy still works because yeah. you can't make someone not shit on your carpet. Well, you cannot then, let them in your house. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're right. just not invited anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I think that pretty much wraps up MotoGP. Uh, yeah. It was a very interesting race. If I had to choose one race to watch from this season, like if if MotoGP was giving out a free race, like watch one choose one race to why it wouldn't be this one yeah but it was a really important race to at least know the yeah. numbers of if you're in moto if like if you're into moto gp yeah exactly. so impressive it, yeah. it was probably one of the best performances from any riders um to, to be honest yeah. both joanne mir and and Rins. Yeah, Mir and Rins. Yeah, they both put on very mechanical Yeah, very very good races from both yeah, of them. Yeah, they were also at one point like, just they one lap Rins would like gain a quarter second and then lose a quarter second and yeah. it was yeah they were very close to each other. Yeah, and they but, looked like teammates. Yeah, speaking of one race, we also watched a different race today. We did so. That's the end of MotoGP, but. Moto America, King of the Baggers. Yes. <laughs> that was interesting. That was super exciting for who knows why. I mean, it's... it's it not... was the most lopsided race yeah. I have ever seen. <laughs> Behind, yeah. like, um, that trophy truck racing, where, like, half the people go off jumps and, like, crash out. Uh-huh. Like, because no, actually nobody crashed out of this race. They just had a lot of mechanical issues. There were a lot of mechanical issues. I think three or four out of the people dropped out for mechanicals. Um, One person got lapped. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, I think it was Heron. Yeah, it was. I think it was was. Josh Heron. It was. He later uh, pitted for a mechanical after that. Um, But he did get lapped. Uh, someone, Someone did go way off the track. Into yeah. the dirt, yeah. came back, passed two people, and won the race by like three seconds. It was yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah. There was my favorite bike, supercharged, turbo, Indian, oh, turbocharged turbo Indian. Right? I think it was an Indian Challenger. Yeah, yeah, Indian Challenger. It looked ridiculous. Yeah. So for <laughs> for those of you who don't know, yeah. King of the Baggers is a race put on by Moto America with. Moto America riders, yeah, not all of them. It's a very select few, I guess. Just whoever wants to do it. Mm-hmm. This was the first time it's ever been done. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so they use baggers, which I don't know if everyone knows that, but baggers are yeah. just you know those big touring bikes like Harley's and yeah. uh, Indian, the Indian Challenger specifically, where you know they have those big, big bike bags that hang on to the sides and are usually pretty low down yeah but so they like they, lifted the bags yeah like, so they lift the bags like three feet yeah. and they give them <laughs> they just absolutely give them the power you know yeah. they're, they're like you know what you want more power out of this 
twelve, thirteen hundred cc yeah. or whatever. I, I'm not sure. What I don't know actual... because they mostly measure them in cubic yeah, inches. Yeah, because they measure in cubic so. inches. So it's like 120 cubic inches or whatever, right? <laughs> of yeah. American power. <laughs> so you want to turbocharge that? Go ahead, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it, while, while it wasn't good racing it was very entertaining <laughs> there were three people who looked like they had actually like ridden their bike and done testing and like dialing in of their bikes everyone else like there are people going into corners and the bikes are just pitching forward and back and yeah. bouncing up and down and you're like did you even try tuning the suspension on that like <laughs> It's a surprise nobody high sided, to be completely honest. Yeah. There right. was drifting of these huge bikes and yeah. like <laughs> uh and it just everything everything was just a touch too loose. Yeah, I mean to be fair though, mm-hmm. these bikes are like eight hundred pounds, yeah. nine hundred pounds, and that is about two to two and a half times heavier than what those guys are normally used to racing. So, you know, it... Yeah. Yes, it it did look pretty awful in terms of things like stability going into corners because there was at one point just, you know, you look at the front and the front's just like bouncing up and down. (laughs) But, you know... There were some good wheelies, though. Oh, there were some pretty good wheelies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There were yeah. Also seeing them go down the um the corkscrews. Oh yeah. That was and, fun. Yeah, because Laguna Seca and Laguna Seca has this iconic corkscrew where it's like a, a left into a right that also goes downhill. Yeah. Um and just them watching the bikes like pour through the, the corkscrew was Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It was really cool. It really makes me want to kind of go and show people the video and just be like you can can you do that with your harley (laughs) yeah yeah i'll buy any harley rider who can do that i'll buy him a beer no problem (laughs) but yeah so if you haven't watched it we do really recommend you watch it don't take it too seriously it is kind of intended to just be it's sort it's, of it's a little bit of a joke yeah it is it's a little bit of a joke it's just supposed to supposed to be kind of fun entertaining yeah. you know it's only eight laps they don't even tell you what the lap times are no yeah They're, they didn't even yeah uh we had to do the math and yeah you found <laughs> that they were going how many seconds slower than a uh, superbike about 20 seconds slower per lap than superbike <laughs> on average They're so slow <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah but it was very entertaining so it was I'd, it's free on youtube I recommend you go watch it yeah i would say yeah, it, since it's free on YouTube, the only downside, I think, is they they bias the audio towards the announcers way yeah. too much, and you couldn't hear the, the bikes, and yeah. I, it would have been nice to hear those bikes. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I would have liked to hear the turbo. <laughs> yeah, I would have liked to hear that turbo go by. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. So, let's move on. All right. I need to take a quick break. Okay. All right, so uh, yeah, our next our next um, segment is going to be an update on some winter riding gear. I had uh, I, be- I think I'd mentioned one of the podcasts that um, the Oxford or uh, there are like some overmits. I don't want to go with the brand name just yet. Uh, well, there's some overmits. I know because it's Oxford. <laughs> the ones I tested were. Um, they're like these mitts that go over your, your handlebars and they keep the wind off your hands. And it turned out that a friend of ours, um, John had, uh, like had a pair and, um, he had, you know, heard it on the podcast and said, Hey, do you want to try him? And I was like, yeah, sure. So on Halloween night, we went and we picked him up from John and I threw him on the bike and, um, I really liked him. It was a pretty cold ride that night. I think it was a little bit chilly. Yeah, I think it got down to the high thirties that night. Something like that. Something like somewhere in the low forties to high thirties. Yeah. Um, it was pretty chilly. Um, and uh, at the low speeds, they really kept the wind off my hands. Yeah. 
the Oxfords go for about between 50, 50 to 60. Yeah, I think um, it's $50 on Rosilla. Yeah, yeah. You, so you can find them at a different price. You can find them on eBay for like 25 Um I think I because they're supposed to be semi-permanent, depending on how how they were installed previously, I think I'd just go for the new ones. Um, mm. But anyway. Yeah, they're, de- they're designed to be fairly inexpensive to begin with. Yes. In the realm of motorcycle accessories, you can get much more expensive than that. Yeah, you can. So, uh, so And they're designed to be semi-permanent. They're designed, like, if you have the type of mirrors that come off of your brake levers... Not the levers themselves, but, you know, the brake. Are you talking uh, about the bar-in, bar-in mirrors? No, not bar-in mirrors. Um, the ones that go off the... the oh, the reservoir. Yeah. Re- not reservoir, but wherever your brake... Wherever your levers connect. The ones that come off your, your bars. Okay. Not off fairings that come off your actual yeah. bars, like on the Africa Twin. You're supposed to cut a small hole. You're supposed to take off those mirrors, cut a small hole, and reinstall the mirrors. Um, which that's fairly permanent. Like you don't want to do that. Like you're not going to come up to like on a rainy day and be like, Oh, better throw my Oxfords on. And like, they just, if you have to be able to insult them correctly, the way that they suggest, you can't have those mirrors. You also can't have bar in mirrors. So they're in this weird sort of semi permanent, depending on your bike. Um, area and then they also have these huge holes in them for uh reservoirs so for for brake and clutch reservoir exactly yeah so i have a reservoir on my right um control but i don't have a reservoir on my left and when i was riding to work um and riding on election day i noticed and also doing some rides at night my left hand got far colder than my right hand because there's this giant gaping hole that nothing's taking up. Like, on my right hand, um, it was kind of distorted because I didn't want to cut a hole in John's yeah. Oxfords. Um, but, you know, it, I, I decided I think the only thing to really fix this would be to tape over it. Yeah. Um, so, there you go. Like, I don't want to carry Oxfords that kind of fit and like so this is this is just my general for me they worked really well if i'm going to be installing them for the rest of the season i'm not going to be taking them on and off they're decent and they're really good for the price and i would highly suggest that style of product to uh anyone who wants to continue riding especially in rainy weather where you don't want your gloves getting absolutely soaked um yeah. Although so, I do see an issue with rain running, like if you're riding in heavy rain, that rain is going to go down your jacket and down your arms, and potentially into the gloves. But at least it's slower. It, it, yeah. yeah, it would be. It would be slower. Yeah. But for as far as what we were talking about, we had a little conversation about yeah how Oxford is a company based in Britain. Yes. And so it does kind of make sense that it might be designed more for that kind of climate where as you know britain is generally a little bit cool but also rains a lot so you can't you can't really expect to have one item that fits everything because otherwise then it doesn't work as well for certain areas right exactly yeah so while it's my my assumption is that it's really based on a british type of riding style where these are probably going to stay on your bike more often than not exactly and you're you might not even ever take them off and they're really designed because you don't know if it's going to rain yes yeah not so much for oh it's coming to winter I want to make sure that my hands stay warm. I'm going to put on the muffs yeah. and then just kind of keep them on for the winter and then take them off in the summer. I While think that, that's the way I would use them. Yeah. So Because I could see them getting very hot in the summer. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think they're a semi-permanent, half half the year on, half the year off kind yeah. of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, if, if you're not sure that you're going to get super cold, then... Or uh, you're... 
you think that maybe your climate doesn't get super hot during the year either, then it might be an actually permanent installation for you. But who knows, right? Yeah. Because one product cannot possibly fit literally everyone's needs. Except that there is. Hippo Hands, developed by an American who was riding through the winter and his hands got too cold to hold onto the bars anymore. They say his hands froze the handlebars, but I think if his hands actually froze the handlebars, it would make the next task pretty difficult, which was wrapping his handlebars in his sleeping bag so that he could reach through his sleeping bag and, and hold the handlebars. So mm-hmm. um, that'd be hard to do with your feet. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the hippo hands address every single one of the issues I have with the Oxfords. The Oxfords are not designed for use with uh, uh, knuckle guards. It's just, you're yeah. not supposed to, I mean, you can, they work, but you're not supposed to because it deforms the, the front. Uh, I, don't, I don't fully understand. They, they suggest not to use it with it. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, if you have really wide handlebars, like the Africa Twin does, where because the controls are jonky, that it stretches it out and it makes the opening pretty narrow. You're not, you know, they have a very selected size yeah. of a handlebar that you can use. Yeah. The, the hole at the top is wide open, uh, and you have to install, like semi-permanently install them if you have mirrors that stick out of your your controls on the bars themselves uh there are a few other little things there's a lot of straps there are a lot of things that need to be tied from the left handlebar to the right handlebar and and buttons and cinches and all that stuff um and then lastly it's got those huge holes in the top that let air in Um, also they only have i mean they have reflective piping which is really nice they have retro reflectors in there um and it's nice, but the hippo hands have an entire panel of retro reflectors on the front. Uh-huh. So they reflect back headlights like crazy. Yeah. Um, it's not just a couple little stripes. It's the entire front panel. Unless you have the Ducati, because then it has a clear panel for... They have spe- special ones for the Ducati. Anyway. Yeah. So these have a lot going for them in terms of design so to address the issue of the giant holes in the top and semi-permanent install they use a um, velcro closure with a snap button that you can use to kind of go around certain things and in one of these pictures they have like a phone mount and the mirror coming out of one of the hand grips on the right Um, so that prevents air from getting in seals it up completely they also have the same thing. They have an inner ring um, that you can cinch closed around the actual control, like around the, the bar. They have a wider opening that has uh, piping in it to keep it really wide and open. They have um, continuous cloth around the whole thing so there are no seams for water to kind of seep through so you don't have to seam seal them. Uh, they're slightly adjustable in terms of opening diameter because they have some Velcro there. Uh, and they fold down smaller than the Oxfords. Oh, really? Yeah. So they've fixed every issue I have with the Oxfords. And they, they do cost $140 for the largest size. But they make multiple sizes. So they actually have some really, really tiny ones that are started at 100 bucks. They have mid-sized ones that are like 130 and then they have the big, big boys that are designed for huge ADV bikes, um, Africa Twin, uh, BMW 1200GS, Triumph Tigers, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and these are the ones I would buy. To be completely honest, the Oxford grips, the Oxford Super Muffs sold me on the hippo hands. Yep. I'm, I'm probably going to buy a pair. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, the the main thing for people to think about is just mm-hmm. that they are more expensive. 
So they are. They're yeah. significantly more expensive. Yeah. But, um. You know, obviously, this is kind of contingent on you trying them and letting us know. Yes. How they actually work, but if they are a lot better, if they are worth about three times more, yeah. Then buy ones, cry ones. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm going with this. I'm glad I got to try because. I don't want to be putting tape on because you once you tape it up, once you tape up those holes I was telling you about, yeah. you can't take it off without taking off that tape. Yeah. If I wanted to use those in the winter, I would have to tape them up for the winter and take them off later and things like that. Hope that tape doesn't peel off. Um, there are just enough things that I think that these are probably well worth it. Yeah. I would maybe reconsider if I owned a bike more like yours, where the mirrors are integrated into the fairings, like yep. they're connected to the actual windshield portion. Yep. It would make taking them off and putting them on a lot easier than it is on mine. Yep. And I have a clutch reservoir. Yeah, and you have a clutch reservoir, which would take up that. See, here's the thing. Even after, like my right hand still got cold. It just got cold much slower than my left hand. Yeah. I would still tape over the reservoir. Okay. Um, it made it a little bit hard for me to reach. Also, that's the other thing. It, it made it hard for me to reach my shift down button. Mm. I don't think I would have that issue with the hippo hands, considering that the yeah. opening is much wider. And they're a and little goes, more rigid. They're more rigid, and they're designed to fit better. If you look... I mean, it's, people in the podcast can't see, but if you look at this GS, you can see that the, you can hit all of those controls without your thumb hitting anything else inside that yeah that big yeah gaping hole yeah oh i'm derek and i need to reach my controls <laughs> yeah yeah i mean if i if i want to shift down i mean i got used to it yeah 20 minutes i think i got used to it i noticed my hands were much warmer within a couple minutes i think to be honest i think the oxfords in combination with my snowmobile gloves would be unbeatable. I haven't actually ridden with my snowmobile gloves in it. I've only used my summer gloves. Yeah. And I rode on election day and there was rain and snow and wind and all of that stuff. And yeah, can't complain about it, right. to be honest. I mean, it made commuting a lot easier on my motorcycle in really, really just crappy, almost winter weather. Yeah. So... And I definitely think they, the the key thing is, I mean, they're not a cure-all. Like, I wouldn't ride Sub-Zero with just these. But they add that edge yeah. that you need. Um, if, if you think that wind is the thing that's keeping you from riding later, um, especially on your hands, if your hands are just getting too cold too quickly... This yeah. may be the thing that fixes that for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, that brings back what we had talked about earlier in our cold weather episode is that it's really not so much any one specific thing that is going to really get you into cold weather riding. It's yeah. that combination of things because yeah. everything is just as important. You know, people can tell you that, oh, if you keep your upper body warm, then your fingers will stay warm. Well... That's true to an extent, but it's really the combination of keeping your upper body warm, keeping your legs warm, keeping your oh, yeah. feet warm, keeping your hands, you know, just everything all together needs to stay warm in order for you to have an enjoyable experience yeah. when you're riding in the winter. So there's no point in just trying to say, oh, well, you know, just this one product is going to get you into yeah. Sub-Zero, you know, yeah. because there's, there's no such thing unless your one such product is a car <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah cars are pretty good at uh doing all of those things and you don't have to wear anything extra yeah um but yeah like for halloween it was you know i was i was wearing my heated liner and then the rain jacket and then on top of that my actual jacket yeah um because they're designed to go together that way and um yeah exactly yeah. I, I mean that was my upper chest was great. Unfortunately, I left some vents open on my legs, so my legs got pretty uh -huh. cold that night. But yeah. um, yeah, yeah. But you know, as for our listeners, as yeah. proof that everything works, 
you know, I, on that night, I wear, wore a t-shirt. I wore flannel pajamas underneath my riding pants. Mm-hmm. Just regular wool socks. Or, I don't even remember if I wore wool socks. I don't think it was that quite that cold that night. Yeah. But, then I wore a flannel on top and a heated, like my heated hoodie, which, you know, it's not perfect. I'm still kind of trying to look at some other possible options because yeah. it, it only provides, you know, heat pretty much right on my chest and in a circle kind of around to my back it doesn't get the arms which is a little bit fussy but yeah you know and i was pretty comfortable i i didn't even put on the heat until later that evening when i was like eh, it's a little bit cool maybe i'll turn on the heat and then even then i still only put it onto the lowest settings so yeah you know and i didn't even put my uh my rain jacket up on top which would help keep out a bunch of the wind from the from my upper body which would yeah. give me even more so definitely it this stuff works guys so it, it does yeah. it does it's just it's a little bit of everything that gets you through the winter so, yeah yeah and why why keep yourself from doing what you enjoy yeah if you're worried about it being cold so yeah yeah it's also sometimes it's about doing it because you can like i mean that I, I did that in like february i well here's what happened to me i was uh middle of february i just gotten a new job i think it was like my fourth day mm-hmm. um at the job yeah and i woke up and my car didn't start and i was like well f- oh no actually, i actually think my uh my battery was dead and the doors were locked there's a long story short can't open it with the key it's a whole thing mm-hmm. anyway um had to ride my bike to to work in the middle of february and uh it was a little sketchy but yeah <laughs> i showed up to work and my boss was like why'd you ride today and i'm like my car didn't start and he's like that's commitment and i'm like thank you <laughs> like yeah, I wasn't, you know, it's because I know I can do it. I know yeah. I have the gear, of the confidence to be like, yeah. in an emergency, as long as it's not icy and snowy, yeah, I can jump on my bike and get go where I need to go if I really need to, yeah, or just have some fun and just be that guy. Because who doesn't like seeing someone on their motorcycle in the middle of, like, yeah. the winter? Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, obviously, we don't recommend you ride if there's... A foot of snow on the ground. Yeah. Please. Or <laughs> ice. Safe. If there's yeah. any ice. If if it rained and then it got really cold, that's yeah. Very very easy way to get black ice. So please be safe. Yeah. But yeah. That's so. why I want a Ural. <laughs> because you can buy chains for the Ural. Yeah. Right. You can buy chains for the tires, and it's three wheel drive, which means that like I won't just fall over when trying to stop at a red light <laughs> uh and uh yeah so okay that's that's all i had to say about that i think it's the perfect winter bike even though it's completely made of steel um which rusts but just need, uh, you just need a, a lot of the anti-rust coating yeah acf 50 yeah. yeah but yeah all right so let's move on to our next topic so we don't often talk about bike news we've only really done it like once before but being that we're getting into winter this is when oems start really rolling out and kind of trying to build up some hype for new models coming into the new year yep so the two bikes that are kind of big i guess this year are the triumph trident 660 and the Aprilia RS660, they both just happen to be 660s. Yeah. Yeah, they each claim to be the best in class at something, which is really funny. Um, because at first glance, you might think they're in the same class. Yeah. These are two, and we did it first, too. We were like, oh, look at these two new 660s coming out. How unique and interesting. And then we realized they're actually two very different bikes. Yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of that that thing about how, mm-hmm. oh, you know, well, why would you rec- not recommend a 600 to start on, but you might recommend a 650? Yeah. Well, it's because displacement isn't everything. Yeah. 
as so, we can see from just these two bikes alone. Yeah, yeah. So I would recommend, I, I think, I haven't ridden the Trident 660, but I feel comfortable that I could recommend that as a first bike, especially to someone like a larger rider. Yeah. Um, the Aprilia 660 is not a beginner bike <laughs> at all. Yeah, no. Uh, it's up there in like the 600s in terms of power. And, yeah. You know. Yeah, so let's start with the Trident. Yes. So the Trident is sort of a, a standard, slightly sporty motorcycle that makes about 80 horsepower, and it uses a 660cc uh, inline triple, which is Triumph's kind of thing yeah their yeah. thing that they just do on pretty much all their motorcycles that's why it's called the trident well yeah 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 but i mean they also have you know the speed triple this uh street triple right they're yeah. all just triples because they're all triples. just yeah three cylinders <laughs> so yeah it's 189 kilograms which is like 450 pounds I, something like that um yeah, I'm not, you're I'm not, not the math person. Nope. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not a math person either. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So it's uh. Hi. Okay. Ow. Hi, Maggie. Th- this is Maggie, my cat. No. She cut uh, cut out of the puck. <laughs> she <laughs> likes to interrupt the podcast. Follow us in, on Instagram at Crossed Up Podcast so you can see what <laughs> Maggie looks like. Yeah. But yeah, so the Trident 660, it's. You think it might make a good beginner bike? I'm not convinced because 80 is a little bit. It, it is on the higher side. Of, it is on the higher side, but it does it, it does depend. Very on, linear. Yeah. It, it would depend on... Because anyone can say something is linear, but linear to different people might mean different things, you know? So, it it really does depend. I, I think that I might have to wait and see a little bit more. I might have to ride it myself before I could really make a determination on, you know, would I recommend this to a beginner? Maybe. Um, so she is purring. And, and it's picking up. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to? I can't wait. <laughs> oh, I know you can't. I can hear it. Uh, it we can just have I, as a guest for yeah. a little bit. I'm sorry. Uh, so I guess tonight's guest is Maggie. Uh, you're <laughs> gonna hear her purring. Yeah, I can't do anything about it. She's too cute. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah. So the six sixty. You know. I think the jury is still out for me. Okay. It, for you, you know, if if you think that someone that's a little bit bigger, it, I think that it might be if it is a bigger person, but it, it's one of those things that I, yeah. I will have to see. Yeah, I, it's definitely on the upper edge of what I'd recommend. I yeah. mean, ultimately, I'd still recommend the, uh, you know, like a V-Strom 650 or S, uh, SV650. Yeah, SV650. Um, um, or if you wanted like a sport bike, maybe a Ninja Six Fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, both of those, and or all three of those bikes, make closer to about seventy horsepower. Yeah. So that's a and little bit one more of the, reasonable. Also, another reason why I'd suggest a Trident is uh, it does have all of the traction control, yes. ABS, yes. all of that extra stuff, um, and that. That is another reason why it's definitely. Yeah. It also has rain mode and street mode, so you could ride around rain mode if you if you yeah. really wanted to. Yeah, and I would assume that there there's a possibility. Uh, it it's more of a British thing because their tiered licensing kind of mm-hmm. facilitates things where the manufacturers will basically make different modes that can only be done by a dealer mm-hmm. that if you wanted to you could buy the bike and ask yeah. the dealer i don't know if it if that's a thing in america where they might I, not have like, the software and things like that i feel like if you get to a dealer and they're dedicated enough they could probably do it yeah, yeah. but like yeah so you can go in and you buy the bike and say hey i only have this minimal class license because i'm of this certain age 
limit the bike to like 60 horsepower, 50 horsepower, something like that. And then they'll do it. And then once you get your license upgraded, you can have them upgrade the engine of the bike too. Or it's not even the engine, it's just... Unlocking. Unlocking the bike. Yeah. Yeah. So I I see no reason why uh, a beginner... Maybe they had like a year of experience, yeah. you know, and if they really wanted the bike, I, I see no reason why they shouldn't be able to just go in and buy it if they yeah. would like. That being said, the Aprilia has the same feature. The Aprilia is a little bit of a different beast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, when you and I both kind of looked at it really quickly, we both went, oh, so maybe this will compete with something like the Ninja 650 or yeah. the SV650. But it is way different because yeah. even though it's a 660cc parallel twin, which is the same thing as the Ninja 650, where the SVs and the VSROMs are uh, V-twins, mm-hmm. it's a very, very different beast. Yeah. Um, 100 horsepower. Yeah. Um, some like 20 kilograms lighter. Yeah. Which comes to like... I think it's I, like fifty pounds lighter. Yeah, than the, yeah. Than um, the tri- Trident. Yeah, so significantly lighter than the Trident, um, and it's much more of a like. Um, I'm sorry, the, the purring is <laughs> distracting <laughs> me. Uh, Chuck the cat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, where where was I going with that? Um, so it's significantly lighter, it's significantly sportier, it's it's got a different power delivery, it's designed to be kind of, um, it's designed to be like a 600, yeah. less horsepower, but more of like a sport touring, everyday yeah. sport bike. Yeah, so kind of like where Kawasaki calls like the Ninja series the sport Yeah. Uh, like the Ninja 650 or the Ninja 300 or the Ninja mm-hmm. 1000, they call that sport, where they call the Ninja, like the ZX6R is technically under the Ninja name. Yeah. It is, that's the super sport. And yeah. the ZX10R is the super bike, right? Yeah. So it's sort of in the same vein where it's not, it's not really a like sport tour, but yeah. it's, but it's not a super sport either. It's just kind of a sport bike. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely more of a sport bike. It's got a more aggressive posture, but not as aggressive as a sport bike and not as laid back as a sport tourer. So it, it's kind of making up its own groove here to a certain yeah. extent. I'd almost compare it... I don't even know if you could compare it to like the FZs. Yeah, I, I although they it does have the sort of uh, that firing order that kind of is supposed to mimic the V twin, sort mm-hmm. of the same as the SZ or MT O seven. It's it makes way more power though is the thing. Yeah. Because the the MT O seven only makes like sixty five. It makes thirty five more horsepower, which is kind of a lot. Yeah. So it, it is definitely still kind of designed to be a similar thing where it's, you know, it, it's not... It's also fully fared. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not meant to be, like, the track bike, but it's meant to be sort of, you know, you ride in on the street to get to work, mm-hmm. and then every so often you want to go to a track. You can bring the same bike. Yeah. That yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. It's definitely a bike that I think would be fun to track. That's yeah. for sure. So, as far as comparisons... This kind of brings up one of the other things that we have kind of talked extensively about before, which is the Honda CBR650R and sort of by extension the CB650F because mm-hmm. they're both, it's kind of confusing, but they're basically the same bike, but one is just more of a standard and then one is more of like a yeah. sport bike. So the way that I've always kind of seen it is that the... The, the CBR650 is really just not a beginner bike, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. it makes, 
like 94 horsepower yeah something like that and while delivery is important i just in my opinion that is just too much to give to someone that has only ever ridden on a rebel 250 or whatever in the msf course it just kind of rubs me the wrong way it just seems like too much you know like even an mt07 which does kind of exemplify the power delivery versus horsepower uh comparison like i people could say that the mt07 is a good beginner bike it's not no. i in yeah. my opinion terrible beginner bike you know i would never just, tell anyone to start on yeah yeah MP, yeah yeah because people kind of like to compare it to the ninja 650 because they're like oh well you know they're pretty similar displacements and they're both parallel twins and you know yada yada but there's the way that it delivers the power is so different yeah but i don't think that the cbr 650 or the cb 650f are good beginner bikes some people may think differently you can feel free to send us an email if you disagree and tell us why (laughs) yeah for sure let us know why we're wrong about that but i don't think we are (laughs) yeah but as far as actual comparisons go i think that as far as bikes that are pretty similar they're pretty much uh competing in the same class because they cost about the The, same the cbr and the aprilia yeah yes the cbr 650 r because honda did some weird things and i think i don't remember exactly but i think that the cb 650 f only technically went to like 2019 but then the cbr 650 r started in like 2018 i don't know it's really weird but they're basically the same bike so the the cbr 650 r and the Aprilia RS660, in my opinion, are probably the closest comparison that if you're considering one, then you might be considering the other as well. Yeah. I would not consider it to be in anywhere the same league as the Ninja 650, SV650, any of these any of these other 650 class. Yeah. So one of the differences is the Aprilia technically makes a little bit more power. Yep. And mm-hmm. it's lighter, I believe. Because I don't it's, know the weight of the CBR. Uh, I probably should have looked at this thing yeah. before. <laughs> but, I mean, because it's got half as many cylinders. It so, does, yeah. Yeah, because the CBR 650 is a four-cylinder, um, and it weighs... Yeah, but which one's going to sound better? That's a real question. That is a real question. (laughs) I mean, I've always... I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Parallel Twin. I I love the sound of the Parallel Twin. But there's something about Inline 4. Yeah, Inline 4s are pretty pretty nice. Pretty nice. But, yeah, so... The weight? So the weight is uh, 207 kilograms curb. So versus, versus 190 one, something. No. No, 180 one, something. Yeah, one, 170 maybe. I think. Yeah, yeah, because it was 20 think, pounds less than yeah, the. Yeah. So. And that was like 190 or 187 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So it is a decent bit lighter. Yeah. But, Ooh, a little bit more power, a little bit yeah. lighter, similar price. Yeah. If you're considering that CB, yeah, if you're considering the CBR or the CB... The CBR 650R. Uh, oh, no. There's too many Hon- R's. Honda and, Honda and, then and Honda, their R's. Yeah, and right. then there's some <laughs> of them that are like, oh, it's the CB500RR, which is like the retro one and like yeah. all sorts Honda of... Honda uses R's for like different things yeah. all the damn time. Yeah. Or, and, then, and then they just add R's for no reason. They're like... Yeah. Like the new Fireblade, they're like CBR one thousand RR dash R. Yeah. <laughs> there was a meme that's like in in twenty thirty, it's gonna be the CBR one thousand. <laughs> but yeah, so. It's probably what the electric engine's gonna say. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So I think that the, uh, the Honda and the Aprilia are probably gonna be. 
the closest competitors. But, but, one of the things that Ari Henning was talking about was, oh, well, why wouldn't I choose, uh, you know, a CBR600R or yeah. a, or an R6, you know, because they make more power and... They make more power, they're lighter, they're yeah much more aggressive. I mean, I think the tires are bigger on them too and, you know... Probably. But, but that's why. That's exactly why as well. Yeah, so is, the... So my thing is they seem to be kind of putting themselves into a weird area, right? Weirder even than the Honda CBR650R, because when I first heard about it, I thought that that was kind of a weird place to try to put a motorcycle. Yeah. Because there's already a 650 class, so it kind of makes consumers a little bit confused because then they think that it's going to be similar to the other 650 class bikes when they're really not so i i think that it just kind of makes people a little confused but then the the aprilia costs eleven thousand dollars when a zx6r costs under 10 yeah so i think think that it just sort of puts you into a weird position of do I want this bike that is going to technically be a little bit better a little bit more comfortable on the street when most people really care about numbers and they're gonna say well the Aprilia is Italian and the ZX6R is Japanese so do I want to pay more for an Italian brand and not get technically as much power out of it, even and though, service. yeah, yeah, even though it is technically not going to be as comfortable on the street? There is, so I mean that's yes, that's very true. That's a comparison that people have to make, and fortunately, it seems like it's a comparison that more. More often than not, it seems like it's more of an American market thing where people buy yeah. bikes based on numbers. Yeah. And it's because we don't, we don't, test rides are not as, they're not a thing in most dealerships here. And um, I think the Aprilia is probably one of those bikes where like the numbers don't quite add up. It's got the Italian surplus on it. You know, maybe you kind of have to be an Aprilia fan to really appreciate it. But, um, it's probably also, I mean, I won't know. I, I can't compare it to anything. Numbers only tell you half the story. Yeah. And I feel like it's a bike that, personally, I would have to ride to yeah, make sense of. Yeah. Like, you um, and I would have to ride it and then be like, whoa. Yeah. This is a new, completely different thing, and I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because, yeah. like, I know what a 600 feels like. I, I mean, I know what to expect out of a 600. I know how those numbers are going to influence my ride. And same thing with a 1,000. And and same thing with, you know, uh, adventure bikes. I, I understand I could put those numbers into a relative frame. But it's kind of this oddball bike that um, that there aren't many like it. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of... It's like even the, the Triumph Trident. You can kind of just be like, oh, well, it's just a... It's, it's a triple cafe racer yeah like it's nothing it's nothing crazy it's not this yeah. weird stopgap the aprilia yeah. is this weird stopgap yeah, exactly between it, categories yeah it's kind of it's kind of like well if you want maximum power you'd get a 600 mm-hmm. if you wanted low-end torque you'd probably get like an mt07 yeah or an mt09 it just kind of ends up putting itself into like a, well, it's why also, would I bother? Yeah. Why would I bother? You know, it's also completely dressed up for yeah. that eleven. Like we're talking all TFT displays. Yeah. Or actually, I think they're they're yeah TFTs LED or LCD. Uh, they're all color displays. It you know has all of the little farkles. It has traction control, wheelie control, ABS. It has different riding modes. It's got 
um, really like just out of the box, fully adjustable suspension. It's yeah. got, um, a, uh, comparing it to the Trident, uh, it's got enough room on the back for an actual pillion to sit, not yeah. just a small child. Uh, <laughs> like, it's a legitimate, like, it's le- you're getting a lot in this package. Yeah, you are getting a lot. Yeah. You, you are getting a very full feature set. Yeah. But it's definitely going to bring up the question to a lot of people, is, is it worth it? Because yeah. that's a lot of money. It is. And Kawasaki has just... I mean, the reason I bring up Kawasaki is because they made such a big deal about, you know, getting the 600 under $10,000. Yeah, but, I mean, they also did that by cutting out a lot. I mean, it doesn't have... Yeah. yeah. It doesn't have, you know... It doesn't uh, have ABS screen. standard. It and, doesn't... Well, yeah. it does have ABS standard now. No, it doesn't. Oh, you have to buy it Yeah, it's option. like $1,000 extra. So, yeah, it doesn't have ABS. It doesn't have traction control. Well, it... It may it does have traction control, but it's not yeah like think, different levels. And I think all it that depends stuff. on like which models yeah. you get and things. I don't know. So this kind of brings me to one of the you're getting all that's all I'm saying is you're getting a lot more power. Yeah, you are and getting a lot. by the numbers you're getting a a, a lot of bike for nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars, but at the same time you're not getting a you're lot not of getting rider comfort. Yeah, yeah, but that does kind of bring me to. One of the things that I, I, I'm not a big fan of America for is ABS not being a standard thing on motorcycles. I understand. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I learned mean, to ride without ABS. So did you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just... You still would, don't have ABS. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's sort of, you know, the, the big thing is Honda offered two versions of the VFR 800. Mm-hmm. Only the version without ABS, well, let me rephrase that. The version without ABS was only ever offered in America. Yeah. And they really, really highly incentivized buying the what they called the deluxe model, which everywhere else in the world was called the standard model. Yeah. Because for $1,000 extra, you got way more stuff. You got fully adjustable suspension, ABS on front and rear. You got, you know center stand you got plenty of nice things for not that much more money but yeah. anyways well, little rant over <laughs> yeah uh i just i i think that america really should just make abs required on motorcycles just because it's a rider safety thing we've had it on cars since the 60s something like that yeah it's not hard to disable either yeah so but that that sounds like a whole another episode I mean, yeah. that, that's really all I wanted to say about oh, okay. it. I, I don't, like, that's all it is. I I think a, rider safety things should really just be kind of higher up on the yeah. the um, the list of things that our government kind of should handle. But, you know, then you'd be infringing on my freedom to not wear a helmet and crash my motorcycle and die, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, so, so let's move on. So, yeah, that's... Uh... That's the end of the episode. Uh, We're running out of time. Yeah. We got time. I I always got time. (laughs) All right. Do you want to keep going? That's why I was being like, Uh, wrap it up. I I got, I got nothing. (laughs) You got nothing. All right. But yeah. So thanks for listening. Uh, We're running out of time. Uh, Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, And I guess Maggie's purring. Um, if you have any questions or you just want to tell us why you're wrong about the MT-07 being a fantastic beginner bike, uh, please shoot us a message over on crossedupodcast.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And um, check out our social media. We're at Crossed Up Podcast on Instagram. And uh, I think that's that's everything. Yeah. Uh, we, oh, we can be found everywhere podcasts can be found. So... Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Apple, Play. Yeah, I think uh, Amazon, right? Yeah, and we're on Amazon. Uh, Plex, that's the new one that we're on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so please, please, please leave a rating, a review, any uh, any of the other things that are available on your platform, whether it's uh, uh, Spotify does 
following. So yeah. please follow us on Spotify if you do if you use that. Please share us to any of your friends who you think might want to ride a motorcycle or already ride a motorcycle and yeah. you know they they kind of want to get into it but maybe they're not sure and they just kind of they need some voices of guidance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um uh also uh oh, what was I going to say? I don't know, Derek. What were you going to say? Were you going to say something about how cool we are? No. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, so, oh, our next episode, I'm going to start that over, and also uh, our next episode will be in two weeks, uh, following the finale of MotoGP, so that'll be be an exciting episode, I mean, assuming there's a chance it could end next week, Yeah, there's a very good chance it could end next week, but the finale, I'm hoping it comes out of the finale. I'm hoping we get 10 different winners and it comes out in the finale <laughs> and you're going to have to listen to us talk about it for 50 minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to Prostop Podcast. We release new episodes every two weeks and we can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, anywhere else podcasts can be found. We'd love to hear from you. There's a contact form on our website crossedupodcast.com and uh, maybe we'll feature what you have to say on the show see you in two weeks